Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 3. By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. Let's read the same verse in the Amplified Bible. Through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built, and by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. So we are in a series of God's house, your house. This is part number six. So I would encourage you, for some of you who haven't been here before or haven't been in here in a while, go back. You can go online. You can go to our YouTube channel and listen to some of those messages. I believe it will help you. Because in the day in which we live, it is important for us to have strong churches and solid homes. Strong churches and solid homes, because these two are interrelated. Each one affects the other. We cannot have a dynamic congregation with dysfunctional families. Before we can have revival in the church, there must be restoration in the home. And as the church goes, so goes the man. What happens in this house affects your house. But you know what happens in your house affects this house too. Praise the Lord. So we want strong homes. Just as a victorious church is built on the word, a successful marriage and a healthy home is based on the wisdom of God. A victorious church is built on the word. I mean, if you go to a church, they say, oh, you know, we're not really following the word, then you need to leave that church. Oh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna go to a church like that. But in the same, by the same token, if your home isn't built on the word of God, then I don't know that I wanna visit your home either. Hallelujah. Therefore, if our home life is not all that it should be, it is evident that we need more wisdom. By wisdom, a house is built. By wisdom. Many homes, many families are wrecked simply because of foolishness. I know we like to blame the devil for everything, but you know, a lot of times the fault is our own. If we were honest concerning many of the problems we have in our homes, in our marriage, with our children, in our relationships, if we were honest, we would have to confess, as Saul did to David in 1 Samuel 26, 21, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. What does that mean? It means many of our wounds are self-inflicted. A blessed home, and how many of you want to have a blessed home? I know that many of you are single and you're thinking, oh, okay, this message is not for me. No, you're incorrect. This message is for your future. This message is not for t just for today. This is for your tomorrow. A blessed home rests 
on a sound and good foundation of godly wisdom. In other words, you must have wisdom. You and your spouse must have wisdom if you want to be blessed in your family. Wisdom is choosing to live by divine truth instead of human reasoning. It is following the counsel of God rather than your own natural inclinations. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says this. Look at it. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Hmm. So you might be very confident that what you're doing is right, but if the end result is disaster, you obviously do not have wisdom. In other words, just because you think you're right, that doesn't prove anything. Amen? Luke 7.35 in the God's Word translation says, wisdom is proved by all its results. See, we can tell whether you have wisdom or not. You don't have to tell us. You don't have to tell us how much wisdom you have. We can tell. We just look at your life. Your life demonstrates how much wisdom you have or don't have. It's real quiet here today. I guess you're meditating or medicating. I'm not sure. Praise the Lord. The final destination reveals the road. You might say, oh, I'm on the road to Kohima. But after 19 years, if you find yourself in Africa, you are obviously on the wrong road. You may say, I'm following the wisdom of God. But if your marriage is in ruins and your family is in tatters, your life is sick, busted, and disgusted, you are not following the wisdom of God. If you take the path of godly wisdom, it will not ruin your family and destroy your loved ones. Because God wants your home to be blessed. He wants it to be blessed more than you want it to be blessed. Come on, somebody say amen now. Help me out here. Let's look at another scripture verse. Proverbs 26, verse 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Ooh. How many fools are here? Raise your hand. No, don't do that. <laughs> you need to know something. There are some people God cannot help. No matter how many others are praying for them. There are some people God cannot help. You see, wisdom which is needed for success. We're talking about God's wisdom. Wisdom is a gift from God. But God does not impart wisdom to people who think they are smart. Reverend Paul Young-E Cho in South Korea said, God does not talk to smart people. What he means is, you think you're smart, 
No, 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 no. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Now, you might be wise in someone else's eyes. That's fine. But don't be wise in your own estimation. Hmm. So the first step to obtaining wisdom is to recognize your need for it. See, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, here we go again. I don't really need this message. You are a fool. You just don't know it. Everybody else knows it, but you don't. Even the devil knows it. Amen. You see, humility is a prerequisite for wisdom. So you're never gonna be proud and wise. You're gonna be stupid and proud, but you cannot be proud and wise. You must humble yourself and say, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I don't care if you're 65 years old. You need to recognize I need more of God's wisdom. As I'm studying this topic, thinking about it yesterday, I'm realizing how little I know. And then I think about you. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. So the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said to him, Ask me for whatever you want. And you know the story, I'm sure. Solomon asked for wisdom. I wonder how many of us would have said, money. (laughs) What you think you need and what you really need could be two different things. In other words, a lot of people think they need more money but what they really need is more wisdom. You know, even if you had a lot of money, if you didn't have any wisdom, you wouldn't keep it very long, trust me. What is it they say? A fool and his money soon are parted. How many of you found that out already? (laughs) Amen, (laughs) praise the Lord. Wisdom is so important because wisdom considers the outcome of our actions. Wisdom always looks to the future. Wisdom realizes that for every choice that we make, there's a consequence. See, you you should be commended. You chose to be here this morning. I don't suppose any of you, some gunman held an AK to your head and forced you to be here. Maybe your mother did, I'm not sure, but but you, you chose to be here, right? What if you had chosen to stay in bed? Well, there would be some consequences. You might miss something God wanted to give you. Amen? You know, today, a lot of restaurants do home delivery, but this church doesn't do home delivery. This restaurant is open, and if you want to eat, get your backside in the pew on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Don't get angry at me. I'm trying to help you. Amen? Wisdom realizes that for every choice, there's a consequence. Some Christians, of course, they're not here this morning. When you see them, tell them I said so. Some Christians continually sow bad seed and then pray for a crop failure. And God is merciful. I know that's true. God is merciful, but there's a better way to live. If you want to change the final product, change the initial process. 
See, in other words, most people want God to fix their problem, but they don't want to change their lifestyle, which caused the problem in the first place. You know, if you had a hole in your roof and it rains, all your furniture gets wet. And you could say, oh, God, help me to replace all this furniture. Help me to replace the carpets and the drapes. And God could help you. But if you don't fix the hole, next time it rains, you'll be praying again. Oh, God, help me replace this furniture. Amen. Praise the Lord. So instead of praying for a miracle in your marriage or a breakthrough in your home, pray for wisdom. See, it's just a whole lot easier to put all the responsibility on someone else. Pastor, pray for my marriage. Uh, church, pray for my home. Well, people can pray for you, but they can't be wise for you. So you have to take some responsibility and say, all right, there are some decisions that I make every day that affect my family, so I need wisdom. Amen? Wisdom is the ability to make a decision based on knowledge guided by understanding. Wisdom is accurately applying God's word to your situation with the help of the Holy Spirit. So how many single fellows do we have in the house today? None? Just in the sound booth? Okay, oh, okay, okay. Fellow, I mean men. <laughs> How many single men do we have in the house today? All right. So, guys, instead of praying for a wife or just praying for a wife, pray that God will teach you what it means to be a husband. I'm just praying that the right woman will come into my life. Why don't you pray that God will help you become the right man? Maybe the reason God hasn't brought the right woman is you're not ready. Your life is already a disaster. God brings another one, now there's two disasters. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hmm? It's interesting that the English word husband originally meant one who cultivates a field. Did you know that? The English word husband originally meant one who cultivates a field. A husband causes his wife to blossom and bloom. Some men say, my wife is just dry and crusty. That means you're not doing your job, husband. Come on, am I alone here? Can someone help me out? <laughs> can the women say amen? Besides my wife, can they say amen? <laughs> Oh, we're going to go a little further now. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 5. New King James Version says this. When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. But I know of many couples, they get married and two or three or four days later, 
the man goes to some other country for a job and the woman goes back to the village and they're like separated mostly for several years. That's unscriptural. You're not following the wisdom of God. See, God told the Israelites, when a man gets married, he's to stay at home with his wife for an entire year before engaging in some outside business, you know, venture or enlisting in the military. And the King James Version, I love this, the King James Version says he's to stay with his wife for one year to cheer up his wife. I'll tell you, my wife is just really a drag. She's just really down. Well, you're not doing your job, husband. Come on, it shouldn't be Vogue magazine that cheers up your wife. It shouldn't be the mall. Well, I know that's a difficult challenge. It shouldn't be the mall that cheers up your wife. I always think this, no matter how discouraged a woman gets, these three words will always lift her spirits. Not, I love you, 50% off sale. (laughs) How am I getting in trouble? He says, stay home for a year and cheer up his wife. Now, what does that mean? I have to share some things, maybe delicately, but I'm trying to help couples and and also give some wisdom to future couples from God's word. I think among other things, he's saying that when you get married, God wants you to have a year-long honeymoon. Is my mic working? Okay, did I say something wrong? He's speaking euphemistically. You know what euphemism is? Something you're saying indirectly, kind of in in a nice way. You don't get it. I'll try to help you. (laughs) Think of the number that comes after five. That's close. (laughs) If you don't understand, please speak with Brother Lloyd after the service. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm very lonely up here. (laughs) We get in trouble. We get in trouble when we refuse and reject the counsel of God. And that is the definition of a fool. See, let's look at another scripture. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3. We have to deal with some issues. We got to be very honest, okay? So there's people that, that need to know these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. Literally in Greek, it says, give the kindness that is owed. But again, in this verse, the Bible is speaking euphemistically. In other words, if I can just be frank with you, he's talking about physical intimacy in marriage. If this is too dangerous for you, you can join the covenant kids, but I got to talk about this, okay? Amen. And notice this is referred to as something you owe your spouse. And all the men said, amen. No. (laughs) Verse four, for the wife does not have, a, this is the Bible, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. 
Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. That's rather interesting, isn't it? Are you sure you want to get married? That means your body, I'm talking talking to married people now, your body is not exclusively yours. The two shall become one flesh. Yeah, but whose flesh, mine or hers? No, no. (laughs) Your body, husbands, your body does not exclusively belong to you. Wives, your body does not exclusively belong to yourself. Now, probably most wives would want to use their husband's body for chores around the home. All right, I'm using my authority, the authority that I found out about. To, you know, I need you to clean this you know, garage. I need you to fix this leak. I'm using that authority. Let me just say this. I'm trying to help people. And I'm hoping I don't do any damage to my own situation. Uh, <laughs> I'd be bad if I'm the guy that needs counseling when this is all done. <laughs> Some folks get married, and then they just let themselves go. Have you noticed that? Don't raise your hand, brother. They no longer take care of their appearance. Some girls starve their body (laughs) when they're single. Then they get married. (laughs) And he's like, you didn't eat like that before. And she believes in prosperity. <laughs> he does too. Right? Some, some men, they don't, they don't take care of themselves. Wait a minute. <laughs> you know, when he was single and he was interested in her, he dressed sharp, you know, had his hair combed and, you know, smelled nice. His breath was like refreshing spring breeze. Now he's got a little piece of apple in between his teeth. (laughs) Smells like an elephant. (laughs) I realize there's an aging process. Our bodies are mortal, and obviously, I mean, I don't speak from experience, but having a baby takes a toll on a woman. But my point is, you know, you need to do your best to look good, the best you can, for the sake of your spouse. I'm gonna put a door right behind this wall so I can just quickly escape next time. Amen. Now we should not obsess over the way we look. I know we have some Instagram models here this morning, but you know, I know that we should not be obsessed with the way we look. But on the other hand, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that true? I said, isn't that true? In the Old Testament, listen to me, folks. In the Old Testament, the priests collected and received an offering to repair and maintain the house of God. Right? So men, husbands, if you want her to continue to look good, you're going to have to spend some money. I might take up an offering, special offering right now. <laughs> Come on, some men are like, you know, she, no, I'm not going to spend any money 
on that type of, you know, all those different cosmetics and creams and lotions. My mother just had like one little bar of soap and some fat. Do you want your wife to look like your mother? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> And then you don't mind spending a bundle on your motorbike and your fishing rod. You don't mind spending, huh, come on. That's a wise investment in your marriage. It's real quiet today. It's gonna get worse. Verse five, this is where we live, folks. This is where we live. Verse five, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. Everybody underline the word limited. For a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Let me be very frank with you. The, the Holloman Christian Standard Bible says, do not deprive one another sexually. We're talking about husbands and wives. We're talking about husbands and wives, the marriage relationship. I'm just, I'm just being very honest with you. Some wives see sex as a reward for good behavior, not a right. She says to her husband, if you buy me the new furniture I want, tonight you'll get a blessing. <laughs> is unscriptural. That's wrong. Don't do that. Come on, don't do that. And the devil will use that as an opportunity to create trouble in your marriage. Uh, let's put it this way. Wives, if you keep your man well fed, he won't be tempted to eat at your neighbor's house. If you don't understand what that means, ask Brother Lloyd when I'm through. <laughs> That's true. I'm trying to help you. On the other hand, on the other hand, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Ephesians 5:25 does not say, husbands, make love to your wives. <laughs> it says, love your wives. Most wives, and I, I certainly cannot presume to speak for wives, but as far as I know, most wives want to feel loved by their husbands, not to feel used by their husbands. I'm glad Jeppy's saying amen. At least I have one friend here. Many, a married man comes home from the office after a long day crams his belly with rice and pork, sits, plops down in front of the television set for hours, then late at night, jumps in the bed and is ready for a little romance. And he reaches over and whap! <laughs> Don't you touch me. <laughs> and he thinks, what is wrong? But from her perspective, she sees him as just wrapped up in his own little world, his own little bubble, his own little self-centered little bubble. And he doesn't recognize 
the problems she's dealing with in the home. Maybe one of the children, you know, has the flu, has a fever, and, and maybe, you know, maybe the, 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 the faucet in the bathroom is leaking, and maybe the refrigerator in the kitchen keeps blowing a fuse, and she saw a mouse in the sitting room. So a wise husband, not that I'm one, but a wise husband would bring home a little gift from the office. Don't be spent a lot of money, just a little something. Just a little something that shows I was thinking of you. One time, and you have to know your wife. One time I went to Kohima, and as I came back to Dimapur, I stopped in Medzafima, and they're, you know, they're selling all these vegetables and stuff, so I don't, I, I don't shop for anything. I don't know anything, you know. I, I can't boil water. I don't know anything about what's, you know, in the kitchen. So, so all these women are trying to sell me these, the radishes and cucumbers. And I'm just like, okay, I'll take that. And I don't know, that looks like just ordinary grass. You eat that? Okay, I'll take that. And <laughs> all these little bags of leaves. Is this for eating or what is this for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just took all these little things. Just a, and it was just a few bucks, you know, it's no big deal. And when I got home, I said, oh, I got this for you. You would have thought I had bought a diamond ring. Sheppy was like, oh, hi <laughs> So I learned the trick. <laughs> Little bag of leaves <laughs> goes a long way, baby. <laughs> I hope you're taking notes. <laughs> A wise husband, bring a little gift maybe. He comes and he checks on the child, make sure he's, well, he's okay. Maybe, he, maybe he, he adjusts that leaky faucet and then he kills the mouse. Because all of those little actions communicate to her, I love you. And then later, <laughs> you fill in the blank. Let's move on. <laughs> Bet you didn't know this was going to happen. You got ambushed today. Solomon, Solomon asked for wisdom. And think about it. That was a wise thing to do. So for you to pray for wisdom could be the wisest thing you've ever done. So it takes wisdom to get wisdom. Mm -hmm. it takes wisdom to get wisdom. And in 1 Kings 3.10, it says this. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. So the implication is that if Solomon had asked for something else, God would have given it to him, but the Lord would not have been as happy about it. Like, okay, okay, sure, here you go. But he wasn't as fully pleased because he was pleased with wisdom. Most of us are praying for a blessing when God wants to give us a source of blessings. We want a cup of water, God wants to give us a river. We want a bag of gold, God wants to give us a gold mine. Solomon didn't ask for riches or long life or victory over his enemies, he asked for wisdom. And with the wisdom of God, he got all of those things. And you can too. The first seven years of marriage are the most turbulent because 
you know, it's so new and you make all these different adjustments. If you can survive the first seven years, there's a really good chance you can go on the rest of your life. So don't be discouraged. You just got married and, whew, you know, feel like you got run over by a tata, but get back up and keep on going. It's a little difficult at first, you know, but if you stay with it, it gets easier and better and God will give you wisdom, okay? So don't be discouraged, amen? So you can have wisdom and God will give you all those other things as well, including peace in your home. Notice this scripture, Romans 14 and verse 19. Are you still here today? Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace. Let us make every effort, do your best, to do the things that produce peace. Well, that would be true in your home. Many times there are problems in the marriage because of stress, anxiety, pressure, and we often bring unnecessary stress into the marriage because of the short-sighted decisions we have made. We buy things we cannot afford. We borrow money at exorbitant interest rates. We cannot pay it back, and now we are hounded by our creditors. Lured by the promise of a big payoff we make foolish investments and lose our money. These are all wisdom problems. If you have wisdom, you might avoid a lot of unnecessary anxiety in your home. You see, one of the main causes, of course, of stress is financial problems. Don't spend everything that comes into your hand. Some people like, you know, they get, they get a little bit of money, whether their paycheck, you know, the salary or, or, or some kind of other money. And that money's just burning a hole in their pocket. Ooh, ooh I, gotta, I gotta spend it. I gotta go buy the biggest TV I can get my hands on. I gotta spend. No, 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 no. You don't have any wisdom. Huh? I wanna say this to you. This is just my, this is like pastoral counsel now. You don't have to accept this, but consider it. I recommend that you live by the 80-20 rule, or really 80-10-10 rule. I'll explain. I'm talking about your finances. First, you have money like your salary, you know, whatever, your income. First, pay God, 10%. First person you pay is God. We mentioned this earlier in the service. Leviticus 27.30 says the tithe belongs to God. It is the Lord's. Would you, would you marry someone who doesn't tithe? Would you marry a thief? Because that's what you're doing. God said, Israel, you're robbing me. You're robbing me. I mean, come on, think about it, girl. You're, you're gonna, I think I'll marry this guy. What do you do for a living? I'm a thief. Oh, wonderful, praise the Lord, let's get married. No, you would say, oh, wait a minute. I'm not gonna be married to a thief and a robber. Amen. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, but we're not under the law, right? Under the law, they were required to give 10% of their income. We're under grace, we're under a new and better covenant. That would be the beginning place. 
No, let's do it like the New Testament. Okay, in the book of Acts, they sold their lands, they sold their houses, and they brought the proceeds and laid it at the apostles' feet. I'll just stand here, go home and sell your land, and you can put the money at my feet. Or we can tithe. <laughs> Come on. Come on, praise the Lord. And as, as Brother Lloyd uh, very, very aptly said, but God promised to bless us. He promised to increase us. So... Your tithe is a tenth of your increase. Anything you give beyond that is an offering. So you can't give to God until you paid your tithe. Amen. We've already taken up the offering, so just relax. Everybody can just take a deep breath. If you're a robber, repent. You can bring the money later. <laughs> That's true. That's true. First, pay God. Secondly, pay yourself. Pay yourself. This is just my, now this is just my opinion, okay? You, you don't have to do this, it's not the Bible, but this is my opinion, and I don't give my opinion frequently. Pay yourself, take 10% and put that money into savings. Young couples, you're just getting married, try to save what you can. Build an emergency fund. Single people, start doing this now. Build an emergency fund so that if a crisis comes, a medical crisis or some kind of other problem, you've got something to rely on. You don't have to go hand and hat to the relatives. You've got a fund to work with. What happens if you lose your job? Well, save enough money so that you can go six months without any salary and you'll be fine. And in that time, you can see about getting alternative employment. Amen? Praise the Lord. Invest your money carefully. Everybody say carefully. My dear, beloved friends from Nagaland, listen to me. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably isn't true. You give me one lakh today, and tomorrow I'll give you five lakhs. Who in their right mind would do a thing like that? Why would anybody do that? Because it's a scam. Come on, Nagas have a reputation of being an e easy mark, an easy target. Somebody comes along, says, oh yeah, you can invest in this, and tomorrow, you know, you're gonna have one crore. <laughs> Sell everything, beg, borrow, steal, and give it all away, now you're penniless. Be wise, be wise. If the bank would not loan money to this person, and that's what they do for a living, why would you do it? Investigate. Oh, yeah, but he said, uh, when it comes to money, I trust only God. I trust no one else because I know people get dollar signs and rupee signs in their eyes and, and they'll say all kinds of things. Be wise. Be wise. Amen. Thirdly, thirdly, pay others. That's the 80%. In other words, you pay God first. Pay yourself second. Now live off the rest. So, so if you get like, you know, you know 10,000 rupees in your pocket, don't just spend 10,000 rupees. You know, take 20% away and now live off the rest of that. Try to discipline yourself. I know it's hard to do living off just 70, uh, 80%. It's hard to do that. But pay off your debts. Don't hide from your creditors. Do you want to spend the rest of your life, you know, your wife, you know, locks the outside of the door to make it look like nobody's home, you know, and all that kind of stuff? Do you want to, do you want to walk around Dimapur with a disguise on so, you know, you don't bump into those people? 
Communicate with your creditors. Giving them something. I mean, they may be very angry and unreasonable. I got that. But giving them something is better than nothing. If you make some effort, you know, every month I'm going to pay a little bit off. You can chip away at that mountain. One of the best things you could do is just get out from under that debt if you've accumulated. Be disciplined. Have a budget. Just a thought. You know, newly married couples, even those who've been around for a while, keep a ledger, an account of all your expenses. I, I read the, auto, uh, the biography, really the best biography, about the life of John D. Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller, in his lifetime, was the richest man on the planet. He was the world's first billionaire. Back in 1900, when a billion was a billion, he came from a poor family. By the way, he was Baptist. Aloshe. He was Baptist. And he went to church every Sunday. That's another message. And he supported his church. But John D. Rockefeller came from a poor background and from, from boyhood, when he was a young man, he kept a ledger of all his expenses. He was actually, his first job was a bookkeeper. He wasn't even trained. He trained himself. I, I'm take that back. He did take a course. He did take a course. But he didn't go to college. He took a course on bookkeeping. He kept a little ledger. He did that his entire life. Even when he's running Standard Oil and he had multi, you know, uh, corporations and, and, and all kinds of uh, companies underneath it. And we're talking about you know, huge amounts, huge amounts of money. He still has accurate, he knows exactly how much they spent on hammers, how much they spent you know, on wires, how much they spent on staples. He knew exactly. He kept a good account. Now, I think that you know, a lot of people having financial problems, if we ask them, well, where does your money go? They would say, I don't know. That's your problem. You might be spending a lot of money on things you don't need. You might be, you know, uh, spending money unnecessarily. So keep a good account. Okay, I'm almost done here. I can see not only the clock, but your face. And uh, <laughs> let me go back to this. Let me circle around here. Solomon asked for wisdom. You can do the same. But why did Solomon ask for wisdom? Why did he ask for that? He just guessed Gave the, got lucky and gave the right answer? No, 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 no. Let me read to you one more verse. Proverbs chapter four, verse three to five. Proverbs four, verse three to five. This is Solomon. By the Holy Ghost, inspired by the Spirit, says this. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the side of my mother. So he's talking about when he was a boy because when he was a king, he was 40 years old. So this is, this, is, this is his boyhood. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the side of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let me skip down to verse five for time's sake, get wisdom. When he was a boy, David said to him, get wisdom. Whatever it takes, get understanding. Call out for it. Pray for it. Search for it as hidden treasure. Then, fast forward. He's, he's 40 years old. He's now the king of a nation. God says, what do you want? He says, wisdom. Where did he get it? His father told him. Now listen, you need to instill that thought into your children. Colleges and universities and schools can give your children knowledge, but they cannot give them the thing they need most, wisdom. Because wisdom is a gift from God. Encourage your children now to follow the counsel of God's word. And better than that, 
model for them, lead by example, show them this is what it looks like when you walk in the wisdom of God. Don't tell your children, be honest, and meanwhile you go to the office and tell lies from nine to five. Hmm? Don't tell your children to be wise and you're acting like a fool. That children don't always do what we say, but they nearly always do what we do. Amen? So we want to tell our children now. So you're single, you know, maybe you don't think you're going to be married anytime soon, but you're preparing because God wants you to have a godly home. He wants your children to be blessed. And that doesn't happen. Some people think, well, you know, they say, oh, they got a divorce and they were married in the church. Getting married in a church is not a guarantee of a happy home. Everybody prayed. Everybody prayed, but they can't do your praying for you. Everybody prayed, but they can't make your decisions for you. You have a responsibility to use wisdom in every decision you make. Amen. So that's what we're talking about. Now, I want all the single people to stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Am I the, just as a delayed reaction? All the single people, I'm asking you to stand up. Praise the Lord. We're going to begin by praying for them. Now, some, some are like widowed, and some, you know, are separated and things like that. But we, we might include you too. You might, I don't know, some of you might think, oh, I'll, I'll never be married again. But that can change in a heartbeat. Who knows, you know? So, so but, but especially all those, you know, who are not married, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Because we want you to have wisdom. We, I don't know whether you would consider your home, your parents' home to be good or bad or kind of mixed, but it's my hope that your home will be better. Better. No, no insult, no criticism to your parents, but maybe they didn't know what you now know. So God expects more because to whom much is given, much is required. God will never be satisfied with you having a mediocre home. He wants your home to be radiant with his presence. He wants your family to live by the law of love. He wants your house to be filled with pleasant things and treasures and the blessing and the presence of God. Amen? And you're single, you're, you, you are very possibly going to make one of the most important decisions of your life. How are you going to make that decision? Flip a coin, heads, I marry Susie, tails, I marry Betty. No, that's not how you, you have to have the wisdom of God. All right? So everybody who's seated, which is like three people, everybody else is single. Everybody who's seated, you know, stretch your hand toward them. And let's pray for them right now. Let's pray for all of the single people who are standing right now. And single people, you can also pray for others as well. Come on, church, help me out. Let's pray for all the single people. Come on, all you married folks and others. Let's pray for them right now. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We pray for these precious young people. We pray, Father, as they're beginning their life and and in the days to come, they will be entering into matrimony. They'll be starting their own families. We pray for them that you will give them the wisdom of God from heaven above. That they may be filled with understanding and insight. That their steps may be guided and directed by the counsel of the Lord. Led by the Holy Spirit. Help them, Father, to choose your word over their feelings, to walk by truth and not by just tradition. Help them, Father. Help them, Father, 
to become the right person, that they may be prepared for matrimony. They may be prepared for being a father and a mother, that their homes may be blessed. Let's all stand up to our feet now.